0: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. If it's going to be a cookbook that people are going to actually use, it's not just a scrapbook, you need to look at those recipes and make sure that they can be used by
1: a 21st century cook. I'm Dalia Cologne, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. If you've been meaning to collect all your treasured family recipes in one place, then this episode is for you. No more excuses. Every family needs someone to take charge. Whether it's planning a vacation or organizing the holiday gift exchange, somebody's got to take the initiative. And that's certainly true when it comes to creating a family cookbook. Janet Keeler thinks a lot about cookbooks. In addition to teaching food journalism at Eckerd College in St. Pete, Janet spent decades as food editor for the Tampa Bay Times. She's also a cookbook collector and author of the cookbook, Cookielicious, 150 Fabulous Recipes to Bake and Share. I recently visited Janet on campus at Eckert to get her ideas for tackling a family cookbook project. It seems kind of overwhelming. So whether you're looking to put together a traditional book or something more modern, like maybe a recipe website, you'll be inspired to take the lead on rounding up your family's favorite recipes.
0: I have a new daughter-in-law and she had asked me recently, you know, where's this recipe? Where's that recipe? And I thought, oh shoot, they're all in my head. And they're not particularly big family recipes or anything, but I thought I better get start putting this down. And then I realized, you know, how many people really have these recipes that they would like to save for somebody, pass on somehow.
1: Yeah. And I think it could make a great gift too. I was just thinking my parents' 50th wedding anniversary is coming up and they said no gifts, but of course we got to get them something. And I'm like, what do you get for the people who literally have everything? This would be perfect. Yes, it would be
0: perfect because it's, it's just nice to have it all down somewhere, depending on how you do it. If you're going to do it digitally or you're going to do it by print, it's just nice to have it all together. And you can really put a lot of other things into it too, besides just recipes. Okay, where do we even begin? Well, I think you need to think about like what it is the what's the purpose of this? Is it is it like to collect all these things so that somebody has them and that can use them later? Is it just to put pictures together and some memories or is it a combination of that? So I think you want to think about what it is you're trying to do. And then I would say don't don't overdo it. Because you know, 25 recipes could be a good cookbook with stories and pictures. You know, I think we buy we wouldn't buy a cookbook probably with only twenty five recipes. It needs to have like a hundred, even though we only make one, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a keeper.
1: So you don't don't overdo it. So it's like a combination cookbook scrapbook almost. Yeah, that's a very good way to to put it. Yes. Have you made one?
0: I keep telling myself I'm going to do it, and I have stacks of it but I you know always like everybody else I get onto other things but but I've promised myself I'm going to do it in, in the next
1: year. Okay well now your daughter-in-law can hold your feet to the fire. That's right. Okay what's the first step? Do you, for instance, I just mentioned my parents anniversary and I needed everyone to contribute photos to a slideshow. So Mm -hmm. I made a Google photos folder and people could drop their photos in there. How do you even start to collect recipes from all different members of the family? Well, so if it's from
0: all different members of the family, you can actually just, you know, start asking for family recipes. Somebody in your house might have an old recipe box. And that's, the, that's really a great pay, place to to start looking for them. You can go through those recipes and decide, okay, well, I never she never made this or he never made that. Pick out the ones that you love and, and maybe were made for holidays or birthdays or any special occasions or just stuff, you know, weeknight meals and things like that. And you can use those recipe cards actually in the cookbook. Ha- take pictures of them, scan them in, actually have them in the cookbook. And that way you don't worry about, well, what happens when these you know, this recipe box, when these little cards disintegrate or something, you'd actually have them in the book. So that's one place to start looking for them. Oh, so you get the
1: handwriting.
0: Yes. I love yes. that. And that, that's more memories. And sometimes there's funny notes on them, but there's always splatters Yep, on the good ones. And so that's a really special thing, actually. I think I love that, you know, cookbooks with splatters is another place to look. Does, does somebody in your house, your mom, grandmother, they have a favorite cookbook? start looking through. You can tell the recipes they used. If you, you, know, you probably would know them, but then you can see the splatters and everything.
1: Oh, yeah. So the splatters are a clue. Mm-hmm. And then the greatest hits, like my mom always makes the sweet potato casserole. Right. It doesn't matter if it's 4th of July, Thanksgiving, right. Easter. So that would be one to go in the book. Yeah. And then once we've located all the recipes, what do we do? If it's going to be a cookbook that people are
0: going to actually use, it's not just a scrapbook, you need to look at those recipes and make sure that they can be used by a 21st century cook because i if you go back and look at old recipes often the instructions are very sparse you know it'll just say cook it till it's done or look at it and if it's this color it's done and you don't know what temperature you don't know how high the stove is or anything so you need to kind of test them if you're actually going to write a cookbook that people are going to be able to use you need to test them but then you also want to um you also want to take pictures of them anyway the dishes
1: Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So you're going to, you should make them anyway. That's a good point. And you could even include, if you took a photo around the holiday table, so it would be like a then and now comparison. Yes. Why were the recipes so nonspecific back in the day? I used to think, I used to think it was because they were lousy cooks.
0: I would see, I, I kind of, I like to, I, I rescue old uh, recipe boxes. So I have a bunch of, from people I don't know. I'm like, who would get rid of these things? Where do you get them? Only oh, vintage shops. And I have a friend who has, who, who collects vintage things. And she's always calling me. I found more recipe boxes. In fact, she brought me one with no recipes in it. And I go, I don't want that. <laughs> this
1: is for I don't baseball cards. I don't <laughs> want the box.
0: I just, I want the stuff. So I used to think, God, they're just really lousy cooks, but I think it's because they were pretty good cooks. They knew by the the sight and they knew by the feel and the, you know, the taste of it and just the way it looks that it was okay. So we, but we're not like that anymore, especially if we're cooking something that we don't really know. So we just need more instructions. Yeah. Very good Um, point. Yeah. And a good place if you don't know how to write recipes, which most people don't really, there is a method to the whole thing. But uh, to study recipes from like allrecipes.com or Taste of Home, those are very straightforward, simple recipes, but you can see how much detail is in them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult. Actually, I just brought over some guacamole and beans and rice to my next door neighbor and she asked me for the recipe and I had to type it up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how much cilantro I put in there. I just Mm. sort of do it and taste it. Right. So yeah, you, you might need to follow an older family member around the kitchen and write down what they're doing. Well, that's like perfect. If you are lucky enough to have somebody with you that is still cooking
0: these things to sit down with them in the kitchen, which is also a fun experience for everybody, and uh, write down as they're cooking. I mean, it's going to be tough because they're going to be throwing stuff in. You're like running around with a with a with measuring spoons. Can you just put that in here? But that's what you need to do. You need to figure out
1: if the recipes are going to be usable, then they have to be correct. For sure. Okay. So, so That's why I say keep it 25, 30, you're good. Yeah, that's more work. You might start out saying, I'm going to do 100, right. and then once you do the first one, you're like, I'm going to do three. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Okay. What's your daughter-in-law's name? Kathleen. Kathleen. And I saw a beautiful wedding at um, Oxford yes. exchange. Yes. Oh my yes. gosh. You had all this gorgeous blue dress. Yes, it was a lovely, lovely evening. Amazing. Okay. So we're making this for Kathleen. Mm-hmm. We've identified the recipes, we've tested them, photographed them. And now how do we compile them into a physical book? And I know you have other ways that we can compile them, but for people who want to make a book book, what do we do? So if you want to make a printed book, Look at places like Shutterfly.
0: There's another one called Mixbook. Snapfish has one. They have templates. So you're just dragging and dropping. You're putting all your stuff in there and dragging and dropping. Some of them start like for 20 pages as low as like 10 bucks. But I think you should probably plan on spending at least 25 to 30 a book, which isn't really outrageous, I don't think. But the beauty is you can print them on demand. I only need one. I only need three. And you know what, however many you need. But then you can also go back and make fixes. You know, when Aunt Myrtle says, that's not her recipe, that was my recipe. And then you've got more stories to put in there. So that's kind of a, to me, that's, I would do that, a printed book. There's other things you can do digitally that would allow you to put in audio and video and even allow for people to comment and stuff like that. Like you could make a website.
1: Oh, that's a private so website. Yeah, that's yeah. so fun. Okay, we'll get to that. I like the printed book because, as you said, you can make multiple copies. So when cousin Curtis comes over and sees how amazing the book turned out and wants a copy, you can print one for him and it's not a big deal. Or, God forbid, there was water damage. Or you know what? (laughs) Last time we talked. Or a kitchen (laughs) (laughs) fire. Oh, Lord. Last time we talked, you were sharing your amazing hurricane kitchen prep tips, like how to have food that you'll actually eat. And one of your bonus tips was to make sure your recipes are preserved, whether that's digitizing them or putting them in a safe, dry place. This accomplishes that as well. Right, right. Then this is, yes,
0: we won't have all your recipes, but it's actually even better because you you have stories from people. And I think if you attack this like a journalist and you talk to people and ask them questions, they will really open up about things even asking your family things that you don't really normally talk about my mom died in 2019 at 92 years old and i had never asked her just a couple of years before she died for some reason we were sitting around talking and i said tell me about what you guys ate like for dinner like on a nice dinner at home i don't know why i never asked her that and she went through this big long story she grew up on a little farm a, a the farm was really mostly just for them to eat food. It wasn't, he, my grandfather didn't grow much to sell. And on Sundays, my grandmother would say, oh, Peter, can you go kill a chicken? Because we want that for dinner. And he would be like, oh, Grace, do you think we need a chicken? He, he didn't like to do that. He was real, real soft hearted. he didn't like to kill any of the animals. And she told that story. And I was like, well, how, why didn't I have, why didn't I know that before? You know, so there's a lot of questions you can ask like that. You know, tell them to describe like, you know, their childhood kitchen. What did it look like? Who cooked? Who did the shopping? Who, you know, who cleaned up? I mean, there's a lot of stuff you could find out that you could include with these
1: recipes. Oh, I love that. And I bet the reason you didn't know before is because it was part of her everyday life. Right. So why would it come up? Right. You think it's ordinary. I listened to the podcast Happier with Gretchen Rubin, and one of her little tips is to create a a book of now, you know, take a picture of your kitchen and your bedroom and your car, because these are parts of your everyday life that you probably don't think to memorialize. But for Kathleen and her kids and their kids, it will be extra special. So how else can we start the conversation? If my daughter came to me and asked, Mom, tell me about what you ate as a kid, I wouldn't know where to begin. Do you have any other tips for breaking that down into manageable pieces. Yeah, I see what you mean. So instead of like, what did you eat as a kid? What
0: did you, what did you eat for lunch? Did your mom make you lunch? Did your dad make you lunch? Did you take it to school? What did you eat there? Things that, you know, your daughter would be interested in, or what did you have for your birthday? Like what was special for birthday parties? I mean, I think almost always you could, you know, my mother always made the same cake every year. And it was kind of like a white cake and it had this some sort of like this boiled frosting that was kind of marshmallowy and stuff. And we always laughed because she had a brother who lived in New Orleans and she was very enamored with this king cake. Mm. So one year we lived in California and she stuck like a little charm baby in the cake. I thought someone could have choked. We wouldn't (laughs) even know to look for it, you know, but that was like a funny family story. But that was a birthday party. So everybody has stuff. So if you break it down to like a holiday
1: or you know, what did you eat after school or something like that. I think the the stories start. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Yeah. my mom used to tell me about growing up in Philadelphia and walking home from school to have lunch and then walking back to school. The truancy rate, I don't know. Wow, who's going back? Exactly.
0: Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at adelaide.com.
1: We've talked about how to create a physical book. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of making like a private website or some sort of multimedia project. That honestly sounds a little more intimidating. But what would be the value in doing that? Well, the value in doing that is that it's more you could be interactive
0: plus then you you're preserving someone's voice you know the way the way they cooked the way they looked what they wore in the kitchen that kind of thing if you know if you're talking to people now um, I found a a a cloud storage service called bubble up b-u-b-l-u-p yesterday when I was thinking about this and um, you can like you can send all the stuff to the cloud and people can add more things to it so that was kind of an interesting interesting idea but I think you have to bite off what you can chew, you know, and it does sound intimidating to me, but why couldn't it be a group project? Like who in your group? Is it your, is it your children? Is it your husband? Is it, you know, who knows tech stuff? Maybe they could help because then you, you, you really start to overwhelm yourself. But I think the idea of being able to do these interviews and have them, even if it's just audio. Yeah. You know, you could, Even if it's just audio, Um, I was thinking too, you could do like story core, you know, put two people together and just
1: ask that question and let them go and see where,
0: where it goes. That would be kind of fun.
1: Oh, that would be super fun. Mm -hmm. Or if someone is still around, you could have someone uh, take a video of them sort of doing a recipe demo, almost like their own little cooking show. Yeah. I think it depends on how, how your family is. What
0: will people buy into? You know, are, is, it a, is, a, is it a family that is very funny? Do they laugh a lot? Would they love to do that? Would someone like to do like a fake cooking show? How much fun would that be? I was even thinking you could do things like it, in your cookbook, like, you know, least likely to do the dishes.
1: Oh, cute. You like know? little superlatives.
0: Exactly. Most likely to become a chef or um, most likely to burn dinner or something like that. You could do some really fun things like that. Even like dishes dish patterns. Like some of us have that some come from families who have these very special holiday dishes. You know, you can take a picture of them, and put them in the book, you know, just those kinds of things. So just fun memories like that. There's a lot of, a lot of different things like that. You can even do a family tree. Oh, you know, there's a, it just depends on how, you
1: know, how involved you want to get and What's your family like? Yeah. You mentioned dishes. Mm-hmm. My parents had this set of white dishes with this sort of buttery yellow pattern of flowers going around the edge. It was like very 70s and 80s. -hmm. And they were the dishes we ate off of every day. So to me, they were ordinary. But every once in a while, I'll go to someone's house and they'll have them. And it just makes me want to burst into tears. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Do you remember the brand or the... I don't. And they don't have them anymore. But I've seen the pattern around. It was probably from... You know, we're like the Walmart of its time because so many people have these dishes. But I guess I just thought they'd be around forever, and now my parents don't have them anymore. I know it's a
0: funny thing, isn't it? something like that can just trigger you? That's what's sort of fun about this. And I, I actually thought I coined this phrase, and then I looked on the internet, and I, but I didn't. But I thought, is it your culinary genealogy? Ooh. You know, are you what are you what are you telling with these stories? I mean, that's kind of when we can go back to my my, my beautiful new daughter in law. Um, we were looking for things in the house to give them for uh, wedding presents. And my grandfather was a, a carpenter and he had made a cutting board shaped like a pig. And I have the original one. It's like really my grandmother used it a ton. So it's kind of worn and everything. But my brother, he made copies of it for my mom and my sister and I, he was a woodworker too. And so I said, oh, I have my mom's. So we gave it to her with the, you know, gave it to them with the little story on where it came from. So that was kind of a fun thing to be able to pass on. But those kinds of things can go into books and everybody has them. They might be very simple, but everybody has them. It doesn't have to be a big thing. You could even like, if you could draw, you could even sketch your dining room table and where everyone sat,
1: things oh, like yeah. that, you know? yeah oh man, this really has the wheels turning. Right, And and if you have kids, you could get them involved and then you would have their handwriting. You talked about culinary genealogy. Mm -hmm. I could see how one recipe could evolve over generations. I think of something like um, collard greens. So generations ago, they might've put uh, ham. And then when I was little, my parents would season it with turkey. Well, now none of us eat meat anymore. So we season it with like tomatoes and other spices. And so I could see one recipe just changing over time. Well, that's a really neat idea. The evolution of a recipe. That's yeah. a really interesting thing. And when you look at those old ones,
0: sometimes they have ingredients. You're like, what is that? Where do I get that? Like, like oleo. Do you, do you know that? So it sounds margarine, but I actually see that oleo and i'm like my gosh nobody's no and nobody cooks with margarine nobody cooks with margarine that's bad yeah i think we're just going back to lard we've
1: come full circle (laughs) or olive oil whatever you prefer
0: right so there's there's all kinds of ways you could look at what you have we all have like a big treasure chest of stuff we just don't think about it that way but just just thinking about those plates you know, that you were thinking about your parents' plates. Now you look at them and you think, oh my gosh, there's like so many memories in those plates. Oh my gosh. You should look at replacements.com.
1: Ooh. They have
0: all kinds of old plates and
1: just see if you can find it. I want those plates next time I see them. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is so inspiring. Are there any challenges we should be on the lookout for? Because you've told us not to get in over our head. yeah, And... I feel like every family has the one person who takes on this type of project and that person could get overwhelmed. So how do we actually tackle this project but still maintain the loving family dynamic? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's
0: a good idea if you can enlist some help. Like, you know, if you have a bigger family, if you have a lot of siblings or aunts and uncles, maybe you could enlist some help because you're gonna make a few copies of it. Somebody has to be in charge though. I think. The other thing is not to belabor the point too much, but it, it really does need to be right. You know, the, like the recipes need to be right if that's what you're actually actually doing. So I think if you give yourself time, if you're going to tackle this for December holidays, for Christmas, maybe you should be get going on that by June or maybe, you know, you're not going to do it in a month, especially no. the month leading up to Christmas.
1: Oh no. Yeah. That's, we typically do that, don't we? Okay. I'm going to do that. I mean, it could be a
0: year long project.
1: I was thinking it could be a year long project. I didn't know if that was too long, but especially if you're talking about interviewing people about birthdays and then different holidays, if you actually went through the calendar year, you could have it all done Mm -hmm. because at every family gathering, you could ask one or two questions, take a couple pictures, and then you would already be making the dishes. Right.
0: And that the time that you could spend with somebody in the kitchen, if it's just you and the, the cook, if it's, you know, a parent, a sibling, whoever it is, is really special to them. Because people like to tell their stories. Yeah. You and know we what? We not ask that. We think, oh, they, they know everything about me. Well, not if you ask the right questions.
1: That is so true. We know that as journalists. Uh-huh. And that's an added gift because you have the gift of the book or the website, right. but Spending time with someone and hearing their story, that's an even more precious gift in a way. Yeah. And I think it, it brings the whole project
0: a lot of meaning, I think. But as I said, you know, when my little story about, you know, talking to my mother just a couple of years before she died. Don't wait. Don't you know, if you have somebody in your family. I mean, I just that's that's older. Don't wait because those stories, they
1: just they can get retold by somebody else. But it's really nice to hear it from them. That's such a good point. Mm -hmm. My aunt Susan is like the family historian. She had a newsletter and now it's mostly on Facebook, but she keeps us all connected. And she used to have a little tape recorder that she would put in the middle of the dining room table at holiday times and just let the conversation flow. And now we all have a tape recorder, which is our phone. So you could just take that out, tell the people you're recording and capture those stories. I think on one hand, we want to get the recipes precise and something that Kathleen could actually make. But on the other hand, we don't want perfect to be the enemy of good. Well, that's a very good, that's a very good point. That's the old food editor in me because I didn't want to take the phone calls from the reader
0: saying this recipe doesn't work. You're right on the money about that because even when you buy a, a cookbook, if you use four recipes out of a hundred recipe cookbook, you're like, this is a good cookbook we don't use all those recipes. So you, you know, you're, you're right about that. I think that's a really, that's a really good point. But again, it sort of comes back to what's the goal. Is it, is it more scrapbook than recipes or is it like recipes that people really
1: want to make? And would you have one And person, would they make them? Yeah.
0: Even if they have them.
1: <laughs> right. I think you got to know your family. If you got a family of vegans and the previous generation were meat eaters, that's not a match. <laughs> right. Right. Unless you're like doing
0: that, you know, the conversion. Yeah, just a whole the a whole other cookbook too. Oh gosh,
1: right, another cookbook. Right. Okay. So should we have in mind one person that it's for? So you were mm-hmm. um, inspired by Kathleen to get these ideas going, but should we have in mind one person because if we're then going to make twenty copies, everybody's a little different.
0: I think it depends on the on the size of your family. You know, are you doing this like for your for your your parents for a big anniversary or something like that, or are you doing it? You have a, a big family, lots of kids, or lots of cousins, and everybody wants grandma's stuff. Then you then you think about it a little bit differently. I think. I
1: think that's true. Yeah. Okay. Any other tips or pieces of advice? Well, I'm I'll, excited. I actually, think I know I it's kind of fun. It'll anyway. be their 51st anniversary by the time it's done, but <laughs> I'll get
0: going on it. Right. I always think it's going to either like, you know, stoke the fire that, you know, you really want to write a cookbook or you're thinking I'm never doing that again. That was, that was a lot of work. And, you know, that, that could be. The, the one thing is too, and I, I mentioned this, uh, the technology thing. If it's not your thing, get somebody to help you because even recording, yeah, we can do it on your phone. Now what? I've got an hour of grandma talking all about some cool thing that she used to make. Now what do I do with it? You know, there's some there's some, uh, good transcription apps like otter people use that one that's a really popular one where it can be all transcribed for you so you're not like listening and typing and there's about a full day of work oh don't do that yeah so i think that the technology part get some help even if you're just taking photos you know that you're not you're not doing a website or you're not sending things to the cloud or anything you're doing
1: actually an old school cookbook still get some help that's good yeah and the the advice about recording makes me think If you really want to be extra, you could make a podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you could. It could go on and on and on and on.
1: But I think you're
0: right about like, you know, don't let perfect.
1: What's that saying? Be the enemy of good. Be the enemy
0: of good. Right. Because really it's super, it's a super special thing to have. To have somebody have taken the time to, you know, talk to people and get their stories about these recipes. Find the old recipe cards, scan them in or take pictures of them, upload them to this book. That's the kind of stuff that people would just adore to have. You know, they really, really want to have something like that. And the fact that somebody went to the to the lengths to do that is really nice.
1: I want someone to do that for me. Me too. I think in our families, <laughs> we are the people. Are we? Well, <laughs> oh, I'm led like to the big talker about it anyway. <laughs> OK, I'll meet you in six months, and let's, uh, let's check our progress. I know, and now we've promised Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen, girl, <laughs> listen, by your second anniversary, <laughs> Janet's going to have this book done. <laughs> OK, I promise sounds good thank you Janet this
0: is such a fun idea well thank you for inviting me it was a lot of fun or I don't know if you invited me or I just said I'm coming but anyway you're welcome our door is always open (laughs) (laughs) okay let's get that cookbook going okay let's do it
1: Janet Keeler teaches food journalism at Eckerd College. She's also the former Tampa Bay Times food editor, cookbook enthusiast, and author of Cookielicious 150 Fabulous Recipes to Bake and Share. Janet shared one of her favorite recipes to make for a family gathering, and it sounds so good, overnight creme brulee French toast. Find that recipe on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Dalia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. Our digital team includes Alexandria Ebron and Chandler Balcom. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Copyright 2023. Part of the NPR Network.